Hello, and welcome to another edition of Intelligence for Your Life, the podcast. I'm Gib Gerard, uh, not alongside John Tesh this week, but our guest is Gary John Bishop. He's the author of the new book, Stop Doing That, we'll say stuff, but the, uh, the, the language on the title is a little bit more colorful, as well as his previous book, New York Times bestseller, Unbleep Yourself. Now, uh, they have very colorful, ti- colorful titles, but this has been... This is one of the, my favorite interviews I've ever been a part of. Uh, Gary Gary has this uncanny ability to just kind of see through who you are. And, and, and to be perfectly honest and perfectly candid, um, by the time we were done with this interview, he and I had a, a, a kind of an extended talk about some personal stuff, and he had me in tears. So this is literally one of the most powerful interviews I've ever personally experienced doing them. I cannot recommend listening to this enough and sharing it with with people enough. This he was he's going to talk to us about why so many of us are stuck in the same behavior patterns, how to break out of those behavior patterns, and therefore how to reach your full human potential. He is a no nonsense motivator. He gets right to the core of what is holding you back from your full potential and how confidence and positive thinking are just they're not enough for you to be able to uh, to change your behavior. So again. Gary John Bishop, cannot recommend it enough. But first, before we get there, is your health and fitness suffering because you have gym intimidation? It's a new term for people who feel intimidated at the thought of working out at the gym. And while it's not an official mental condition in the DSM-4, a new survey from one poll found nearly half of all adults have some form of gym intimidation. But exactly why are we so freaked out about working out? Here are the top reasons. First off, Half of all people polled said they're overwhelmed by the sheer number of choices at the gym, say between fitness workouts and classes, all the different machines available, etc. Let me give you a little bit of a recommendation about that. One, take a class that looks interesting. Two, download a workout routine from a website for beginners, and it will tell you all of the different exercises you should do, and you'll be able to find those machines. You don't feel like you have to use every machine every single day. Next, one in three adults said they have gym intimidation because they've never exercised before and worry that they're too unhealthy to start. Not a bad thing, but go in and uh, and try something a little easier, like a, just ride the exercise bike, do, do the low-stake stuff until you start to get in better shape. Also, 32% of people said they feel intimidated by the thought of exercising near someone who's fitter than they are and looking weak or out of shape. And two out of three women actually avoid the gym over a fear of being judged. It's called the spotlight effect. It's when we're self-conscious and worried about what other people think of us. But the fact is, no one's really looking at you, much less judging you. Psychologist Martha Beck says people assume they're getting about twice as much attention as they actually are. So forget about what other people think and work out anyway, because according to this survey, half of all the people surveyed feel the same way you do. And just to underscore that, nobody cares if you're a beginner. All they care about is if you take too much time on the machine. So just keep it moving, go machine to machine, and we'll, we'll all have a great time. Cannot, uh, cannot tell you guys how excited I am to share this Gary John Bishop article with you. Enough messing around, uh, or interview, not article. Gary John Bishop here is uh, maybe the most powerful interview I've ever experienced. Gary John Bishop, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful to be in a conversation with you. Uh, well, it's it's my pleasure. You have two great books. Uh, your 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 very first one is Unbleep Yourself, and your new one is Stop Doing That Stuff. Uh, right. You, you use you use colorful language in your titles. Why why did you opt for that? That's that's how I talk. So <laughs> so um, you know I 
it really wasn't for the sensationalism. A lot of people think it's just like sensational use of language. Right. It's not, you know, I'm like old school Shakespearean type, you know, where mm-hmm. the use of that kind of language was very much accepted. So, so uh, other than in the presence of my children, of course, but no, it really is just the way that I talk. And uh, so, okay, so so what is, stop doing what stuff? <laughs> so, right. So it's stop doing that stuff. Well, the word starts with an S, but I'm sure people can use their imagination. Yeah. Um, so... If you've ever noticed, I mean, you know, we all do things that we know we shouldn't do, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you, you know, if you get a group of people here and say, how many of you are doing things you know you shouldn't do? Right. You're, almost to a man and a woman across the, the board, you'll see everybody raise their hand. And then if you ask them how many of them are not doing things that they know they should do, you'll see the same result. Right. So that that kind of really struck a chord with me and I've always really been hanging around with and that kind of inquiry like what why do I really do what I do and not do what I don't do like what's that really all about yeah why do we act against our own self-interest constantly right right I mean you know people do this all the time like you know they pay off their credit cards yeah a loss for about two months and then spending spree right Right. they go on a diet and lose 38 pounds then pizza yeah or they make up with a loved one, you know, I'm sorry, you know, it's just a terrible. And then, you know, a day later, like those words are falling out your mouth. You just mm-hmm. know you shouldn't say these words, but here they come anyway. Mm-hmm. And and the more I thought about it, every, every reason that I'd ever read to explain it from psychological to spiritual to, I mean, all kinds of stuff, never quite rung my bell. So I, I kind of, I went in the opposite direction with it. I started to ask myself, well, if I keep doing this, what's the life that I've got? And I noticed that the life I've got is always a familiar one. Mm-hmm. And it really hit me like a train, you know, that the point and, and, and I get down to it in the book in quite an in-depth way. The whole point of self-sabotage is to keep the life that you've got in existence. It's that you don't ever get to really expand. You might get a bit better here and there. You might improve things here and there. But, uh, but, there's there's never any opportunity for you to completely reinvent yourself because mm. you keep resorting to base. Um, and then so in the book, I explained what the model of that is. Like, what is it you keep returning to, right? What is it that you keep coming back to? And, and it's centered around a couple of, you know, I'm firmly of the belief that human beings are little more than a living conversation. Like, you know, Interesting. you're a skin and bone bag that talks. And what <laughs> yeah. Talks. And what it talks about is what that life's about. And uh, the more you get into it, the more you'll actually see how much of your language and your emotional state and your and your outlook and your mood is all in a dance with one another. Yeah. And and it's uh, when you start to kind of approach life from that perspective, not only do you see how you've how you've kind of trapped yourself. Right. But um, the more you get into it, you'll actually start to see the way to set yourself free, using much the same method methodology that you use to trap yourself. So okay, so so this idea that we we want to we constantly get ourselves back to homeostasis, and we've talked to dieting experts about this. Like, you hit yeah. this weight, and yeah. and you really just can't lose any more weight. And right. if you do lose more weight than that, then all of a sudden you'll you'll rebound yeah. back up. So our bodies, our whole life wants to get to that. We'll call it a comfort zone because that's the that's okay. the more common term. So we want to get to that yeah. comfort zone. Our body yeah. keeps pushing us back there subconsciously. Um, yeah. why, why, I mean, I still don't understand why we keep, why we would keep doing yeah. that. Why is it so hard to break that? 
Well, my view is that people are looking in all the wrong places, right? You're actually looking yeah. at the results rather than what's actually causing it, right? And yeah. you can get into the physiology of it, but, you know, if you get if you examine life in your own experience, right, and that's mm -hmm. the best place to look, right? You can read as many books as you like and get informed as you like, and some things might make a lot of sense and ring your bell, but you got to really look. And in my experience of being alive, how does this equate? Right, and um, if you ask any human being, it doesn't take much. If you ask them, what's what's your what's your what's your inner critical voice? What does it say to you about you? Yeah, and if and if you settle with it long enough, you'll hear it, right? And you'll hear yeah. it stuff like, "I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not loved. I'm not capable." And it's and it's never good news. It's never like I'm awesome, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not like I'm amazing, and now people. <laughs> People do say I'm amazing in myself, but it's to overcome something that's already there. Right. So in this book, I really go into the depths of that. Like in my um, my assertion is is that you are your whole life is organized around three simple internal conversations, and um, one of them's about yourself, and and it's repetitive. It never goes away. So everybody who's ever who's ever done any work on themselves and maybe discovered part of their internal dialogue, or certainly that inner critic about themselves, which is the most common one. There are a couple of other ones that will make sense, and I explain in the book. But um, but the one about yourself is the one people are most in touch with. And you'll right. notice it never goes anywhere. Like even you might get your PhD, and that voice for I'm not smart enough is there, right, yeah. in the aftermath at some point. Or you might you know, start your business, and it's a roaring success, and you'll notice that business is successful, but somehow you still feel the same. Mm. And so there's this kind of like it's almost like there's this kind of falling off the edge of a cliff after every success. And what you're falling into is the same internal dialogue, the same very deep driven subconscious criticism. Now, people might say, well, why would we even have a criticism? Well, if there's not something to get over, there's no point in getting better. And as human beings, we're we're fascinated with the idea of getting better, better house, better body, better relationships, better mm -hmm. self, better everything. So your life really is spent in the pursuit, as Heidegger would have, as not Heidegger, um, Sartre would have called it, we live lives in pursuit of being something. Uh -huh. And so that pursuit can never end. So if your criticism of yourself is I'm not smart enough, you'll never be smart enough. It doesn't matter what you do. Right. And in fact, if you suddenly build a life where there's evidence around you that you are in fact smart, you will actively undermine it, right? So either by yourself or, or, or like you know, undoing things that you've built, like you know, losing weight. Or so the the internal criticism wins out. There was a 19th century guy who said, when it comes to the subconscious and and our cognitive thoughts, the subconscious always wins. Yeah, for sure. So do you, do yeah. you think that like Jeff Bezos is walking around going, I'm not rich enough? I don't know. No, that's not a criticism of himself. But but what drives him to get rich is his subconscious criticism of himself. Mm. But we, so you just, you just don't know what that is? Or we, he's the only one that can tell us what that is? Well, I mean, if you give me him for four minutes, I could probably tell you what <laughs> that's, that's quick. Okay, so... So we, we listen to this subconscious criticism. Our subconscious mind is a, convers that we're ha is a conversation we're having with ourself. Uh, yeah. And, and how, do we, how do we get there? How do we listen to that? 
You know, what, what, yeah. what gets us there? Well, it's louder and then it's quiet, you know. So when life's going pretty well, you're not really noticing it too much. But if you hit the wall, if you have a bad day or a bad week, it's there, you know. Mm-hmm. And sometimes with some people, it's, it's it seems to be there more often than not, you know. Um, you know, if you ask somebody what their fundamental experience is of being alive, most of them will come out with some nonsense, like from the top of their consciousness, like, oh, yeah, you know, life is pretty good. But if you get into it with them, if you start to dig away at it and you ask them well, what it's like there or what's it like here, you'll, you'll start to see like people start to relate to the most fundamental aspects of life in terms of like a struggle. Like, you know, life's a struggle. Life's hard. The life's challenging. Or those fundamental subconscious conclusions are what you base life around. You base your, your everything you do, you base it around something. Right. You know, you don't, you don't achieve great things in life based on nothing. Right. right? It's based on some paradigm that you're in. And so in the, in the in the new book, yeah, stop doing that stuff. I actually start to reveal your paradigm. Like, what are you fundamentally organized around as a human being that's different from the person next to you? And it's it's a, an ontological perspective. It's a perspective of you know that that particular discipline, and and you'll really see like it, it it'll resonate with so many people. Like, they're suddenly their self sabotage will make sense. And, and I think that's one of the things that really challenges people is their self-sabotage doesn't make sense. It doesn't add up. It's like, I want to be rich, but I keep spending money. What's this about? And then you end mm-hmm. up with some explanation like self-control or, you know, I emotionally spend, which makes no difference to you. You're like, okay, so now what? Um, and, and if you actually got like, no, I say I'm committed to this when in fact I'm actually up to something else. And if you look in the reality of life, you will see what you're really up to. Mm. I, mean, I, I How do I look at that reality of life? I mean, thinking about it, I can think of a couple of things off the top of my head, yeah. ways that I self-sabotage, just in, in ways that I distract myself from dealing with problems. Or I mean, right. that's, that's kind of a light one. Right. I mean, and, and I also hear you kind of say, if you really dig into it, you get to this sort of ecclesiastical thing where you where existence is suffering, right? R- right, um, right. Well, well you're... So I've, how long have we been talking? Twelve minutes. You're fairly <laughs> so you're fairly positive, okay? So you have you have this kind of tendency to be positive, which can be really good. It'll stand you in good stead. You didn't pop out positive though. You weren't born positive. You didn't arrive and go, "Hey, everybody, isn't that a great day?" There was none of that going mm-hmm. on when you were born. Um, in fact, you kind of you were born. You were mostly kind of grumpy. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, and so there was this process of you picking up life experiences where you realized being positive would stand you in good stead. Now, you also talked about, though, and you just said this a minute ago, like part of that positivity, like you tend to avoid things and stay away from certain things. Right. right. One of the things I notice about people who tend to be overly positive, as I would call it, is they tend to be pretty negative about negative people. Mm. And there tends to be a lot of this thing called what I would call quiet resentment. Hmm. And you can't say it because you're positive. <laughs> <laughs> it really, really, so, really bummed me out to start talking like right, that. Right. So, but then, and, and actually, that's the interesting thing too. When you when you do communicate with people who are very positive, and again, there's nothing wrong with being positive, yeah. but often they find it really challenging to get into the dirt because it totally conflicts with what they've come up with to deal with the negativity. Now, if you really understood what that negativity was, like, what is that action? What am I actually saying to myself? What's uh-huh. going on? You know, the other downside of positivity is it can be very challenging for people to get beyond it with you. 
to get in with you, right? Um, and then another attribute that you have, by the way, something called being charismatic, which is another thing altogether, but it's definitely part of what you've come up with to overcome what I would call your conclusions, what you've concluded about yourself. Hmm. And whatever you've concluded about yourself, like I've said, it's not good news and it's permanent. <laughs> right? That's, it really doesn't go anywhere. That's but, great. But, but you'll never get beyond it if you don't understand what it is. The, right. the access to getting beyond it is to actually see it and to connect the dots for yourself. And one of the things that I, I go into in the book is I, all of that, all what you've concluded about yourself is a past based phenomenon. So you live your life in this kind of basis of the past. Yeah. And I, and I really introduce you to this whole other way of starting to approach a life, like how to take things on that challenge you to go beyond the constraints of your own internal dialogue. Okay. I, w- I, w- I want to get to to that, to some of the solution-oriented stuff about how to get beyond the constraints. But bef- before we get there, let's say I... Let's say I have an an inkling of what my sort of core criticisms are of myself, yeah. my core conversation. Yeah. Uh, are there exercises or anything to do that would help me to flesh that out a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, if you keep, if you look at um, every time you fail is a good place to look, right? So when you fail, it's there, right? And it's there, mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, there I go again. Like whatever the thing is. I mean, the the case that I make is human beings that are in a constant state of defeating themselves to save themselves. Yeah, yeah. So just flesh right. that a little bit more, defeating ourselves right. to save ourselves. Right, and I say a little bit more agriculturally in the book, right? Uh-huh. I mean, the, the the one I'm giving you here is my Sesame Street version. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. let, let us all remind ourselves of the titles of your book, so yes. Right, right. And, and there's not a ton of curse words in my books, you know? There's, it's like a light smattering, no more than, <laughs> no more than a, a dusting... Of, of expletives in the book, yeah. but um, but uh, but one of the things that one of the things that you'll 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 see in your life again when you do fail, you'll you'll notice like that noise in your head, that self-defeating. It's both a dialogue and a monologue. Right? It's almost like you're talking to something, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah, you, know, you go again, you know, like you're observing yourself or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's there I go again, and it flicks, you know, back and forth between both of those. Um, but but it'll be there in your most in your moments of stress. Now, if you if you're let's say for instance my my internal criticism of myself is that I'm not loved or lovable, mm. which is a very common one for people, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And they seem to we see me go from one crappy relationship to the next. It's like oh, it's terrible. And then they say stuff like I don't know. I just seem to attract certain people, right? Right. And what I say to them is. What if you're actually hunting them down? Right. Yeah. What if you're actually and if and if you look at the relationships, they'll go back to the beginning. If you you know, I've I've probably coached and really like intensely coached something like fifty thousand people. Wow. And if, if you time. Get, yeah, <laughs> I, I have no life. <laughs> but if you if you ask somebody like, well, let's go back to your relationships and look, and you'll look at every point, all those relationships. There was a point where they overcame something that is. I don't know if this is a person for me, but I don't like the way they blah, blah, blah. But you know, I don't know if I totally trust them, but I don't know if there's always something they overcame and uh-huh. it was pretty something pretty significant. Yeah. I say to that person, that was deliberate. That's so that at the end of that, there's a high probability this is not going to turn out and you'll be left back at your conclusion 
And now you'll have to save yourself all over again. Hmm. And that's what your life has become about. So if you look at your failures, failures and you look at the things in your life that are not going the way you want them to go, you'll start to see evidence for what you fundamentally concluded there and that it gets proven. And why would we do such a thing? Because when you prove that, that brings a certain certainty to life. Like, yeah, this is life. This is what it's about. And that's what's different for each of us. That experience of being alive, that experience of myself is different. But that those things for each individual keep getting proved, keep getting confirmed over and over and over. And then you die. Right. And it becomes this sort of self-fulfilling cycle and prophecy of whatever yeah. that core, whatever that core, um, that core feeling, that core criticism of yourself, you just yeah. reinforce it with your subconscious yeah. behavior over and over and over right. again. Right. I mean, if, if you've ever had this experience, everybody's had this, but you need to really look in your life. You've had this experience where like there's a limit, like you want to be different, but you can't. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Like I just, I want to just, why can't I just say I'm sorry? Why can't I say I love you? Why can't I say, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. why can't I say no? What's going on with me? Why can't I say why no? Why can't I what put myself that? out there in the way that I've <laughs> never put myself out there before? <laughs> right. Like, you know, why Why is it I get all messed up when people who are seemingly smarter than me at a round door, like, why is it I go into a crowd and I'm like, oh, get me out of here? Mm -hmm. all, what, what you want to really consider, like, that trap is a self-imposed trap. Like, yeah. you built it. And, and if, and again, you know, I fundamentally relate to myself, like everything that I do is little more than a conversation. I'm in a conversation with myself and other people and my life is weaved in that tapestry, right? So my experience of being myself, my experience of relating to others comes from what's fallen out of my mouth mm -hmm. and what's fallen out of my mouth. This is what you is meant before being, that human beings are basically just walking conversations. Right. Right. And I, look, you know, I, I'm not the first person to say that. People are a lot smarter than me. I've been saying that right. for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. Like, like a human being is shaped and formed in language and that the limit of that human being's experience will be in language. Like, I'll give you a really simple example, right? If, if somebody says, if somebody, if a relationship ends and somebody says, they left me, mm. right? And then the other human being who goes through the exact same sort of situation and they say they left. So there's one word difference. The right. word is me. Right. The one is one said left me, which now even just in that simple combination of words, I've put myself in a word, a world of something right. where they rejected me and left me. And it means something about me. And there's a big emotional attachment there. And it might even confirm something for me that I'd already suspected about myself. Like suddenly I'm in that world with the moving of one word, me. Right, right. And it becomes about you being rejected as opposed to that person just making the choice to leave. They, they left. It, it could, it might well have had nothing to do with you. And more right. often than not, by the way, it does have nothing to do with you. People are dealing right. with their own things. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So language is critical. And you know, and again, even if people are still saying, well, language isn't critical, there's a massive difference between fire and firefly. <laughs> you don't want to get those two mixed up. Uh -huh. So language is absolutely critical in and if, I'm sure you've got listeners who have already had this realization for themselves or maybe even done some work on themselves from this perspective. But there's a tremendous access, like a doorway to personal power 
when you start to relate to yourself um, through that kind of medium of, of conversation and language. And do you need to do it out loud or can you just do it in your head? Do I need to look like a crazy person to, to, to reference myself in that medium? Well, of I, you know, my view is we're all a little crazy, so it doesn't really bother me much. Um, <laughs> the, the way I tend to look at it is, um, so everything great I've ever done in my life has been something that I didn't think that I could do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All, all the stuff that didn't amaze me was the stuff that I thought I could do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, one, if, because if you do it, then it's like, yeah, I, I thought I could yeah, do I it, and it. I did it. Yeah. Right, exactly. And, and, and at the same time, as we get older, we mostly reach for what we think we can do. Right. <laughs> right. So, and, and, and then the stuff that, like, especially at New Year's, you'll see, oh, yeah, this is my year. I'm losing 72 pounds or I'm <laughs> going to go to the gym every day or yeah. whatever my thing yeah. is, you know. Like, yeah. I'm really going to do it. Yep. And then what happens is you you will, nothing, there's nothing else that happens, by the way, other than you talk yourself out of it, right? So, you know, like your babysitter might cancel. Mm-hmm. I'll just talk myself out of it. I got fired. Oh, well, there's a good reason, right? Rather than... You're already like facing your own limitations and then backing off. So you're like, oh, well, clearly if, you, if I don't have a babysitter, I can't do it. Right. That's not true, but it is for you. Or I don't have the money, so I can't do it. That's not true, but it is for you. That's you're how, not you're being you're being excuse oriented, not solution oriented. Well, well, absolutely, and and so and and if you saw yourself do it, you can always see other people doing it. It's much easier to observe somebody else. Oh yeah. But if you if you observe yourself limiting yourself it's quite shocking actually when you realize that the like that that you your life is a reflection of of the language that you have so so what i do with people is and this is a philosophy that i've adopted now for about a good 10 years of my life and i live my life in alignment with uh, personal promises so that is when i make a promise to myself that is the most important thing that i could ever do and i really mean that like the single most important so for me, I've been developing for a number of years, and I'm, you know, like everybody else, I fail and then I win, and then I fail and then I win. Mm-hmm. But my life is a reflection of the promises that I make, and, I, and I'm and I'm constantly challenging myself to make promises that I don't think I know how to keep. Interesting. So, and, so give us and some I, examples of what those promises look like. Yeah. So a big one for me was actually writing a book. Right. So my internal dialogue is I'm I'm not smart enough. Right. That's. I mean, there's pieces to it, right? There's other bits to it, but that's the tree around which it's all organized, right? I'm not smart enough. So writing a book would conflict with that personal conclusion. Oh, okay. So you make yourself a promise that's anathema to your personal conclusion. Right. It's kind of like, how could I be an author and not be smart enough? That doesn't work. Right. So then I noticed in the process of writing the book, I was constantly trying to sabotage it. So I would say, this is terrible. What am I doing? I don't know. I have any idea what I'm doing. Saying too long. No one will read this. Oh, maybe I'll pick it up tomorrow. Oh, I can't. And I noticed like the internal dialogue was all leading me back to see. You're not, not smart, smart enough. enough. Right. And then, and then, so every day I made this promise to myself that I would type for a minimum of 30 minutes. Right. And I had to really get myself in front of my laptop when everything about me, like my internal dialogue, my emotional state, my mood, my outlook was screaming, I don't want to do this Mm -hmm. or I can't do it. And there was despair and desperation and suppression. And 
And everything, it seemed like there were certainly days when there were, it seemed like every fiber of my being was resisting what I was doing, which mm-hmm. was just further convinced me that I should keep doing it. <laughs> so I kept doing it, I kept writing it. And then I completed the book. And, um, you know, once I read it, I thought, this is, this is pretty useful. You know, I was never going to say it's good because, you know, that would conflict with it. I'm not smart enough. Mm-hmm. But I thought, okay, I think this is pretty useful. And, um, and then even as the book like grew, you know, I, I self-published then and sold like 30,000 copies in five months. And then, you know, it was picked up by HarperCollins and became a big bestseller in New York mm. Times bestseller. Congratulations. Um, thank you so much. Um, but even in the face of all of that, like I, my that internal dialogue can't really be with that accolade, right? It that can't be with it, right? Just can't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't set with my what's going on with me at my deepest, most kind of profound level. Yeah. So, so, but I've found like, and this is, I talk about this in the first book and a little bit in the second book, that who you are is not what you say to yourself. Who you are can be found in what you do. Hmm. And, and true success comes when you're able to go past how you feel and what you're saying to yourself and act. Because hmm. life only ever moves, by the way, I don't think, People might know this, but I don't think they actually get it. Like it, like it resonates. Your life only ever moves in the paradigm of action. You can speak nicely to yourself. You can encourage yourself to say that you're awesome and you're amazing. That won't change your life. Changing your thoughts will not change your life. Mm. If you can, if changing your thoughts and aligning your actions with those new thoughts mm. might do it, right? But if you can't change your thoughts, and this is the thing that this is why I have a problem with stuff like positive thinking and affirmations, because it doesn't people are often left with this kind of experience of inauthenticity, like, yeah, I'm saying this to myself, but I don't really believe it. Right. And and I say to people, you don't even have to say it to yourself, you know, you don't even have to believe that today's your day. You don't have to feel like today's your day. You just need to take the actions like today's your day. Mm-hmm. You need to get out of bed like today's your day. You might feel terrible, but you should do it anyway. And you should type those words into that laptop like today's your day. Even though you feel like it's the worst day, you could still behave and take actions in a way that are more consistent with this greater you, even though you might feel like you're pulling for a smaller or more constrained you. And and that is, for me anyway, where I've produced phenomenal results, where I've coached people to produce phenomenal results, is they start to get their, their their head into the game of where the game's actually happening. And the game's actually happening in what you do right. and in what you don't do. And everything else is basically background noise. So so what does that look like? Okay, so let's. I just want to recap real fast. So we have this notion that we have this inner criticism. That inner criticism is a constant dialogue with ourselves, and it creates a self-fulfilling prophecy that yeah. we will never... And you uh, be loved, be significant, be yeah. smart enough for whatever it is that we want, right? Yeah. So we change the paradigm and we start to say, no, I am good enough for what I want. I am lovable. Mm-hmm. I am smart yeah. enough to write a book. I yeah. am significant enough to to do this thing. Um, yeah. And then, so, so I mean, I, I hear you saying you don't like the power of positive thinking, but it sounds like, yeah. one, the first step is positive thinking, but yeah. then you have to align your actions with that idea of being enough or being yeah. whatever whatever that uh, being yeah. the antithesis of your core criticism. All right. 
I would say it a little differently. Okay, but you're on the right track. Yeah, but you're on the right track, right? You're on the right track. So I, I don't. There, there are days when I've produced quite phenomenal results in my life. Mm-hmm. When my internal dialogue, the most negative internal dialogue, is is very loud. Hmm. Right. So I, I actually didn't have to change my thoughts. I actually didn't have to say I'm good enough. Interesting. Right. I didn't have to deal with. You said to act like and, you were good enough. Right. I had to, I, so which which begs a real, I think, a great question that somebody could ask themselves, right? So, and one that might elicit something. And the question I might say, all right, I don't feel like I'm good enough, but let's say for a moment I am. What would I do? Exactly. Right. And then, and then you're into the paradigm of action. So that is, oh, now I'm doing what's... Uh, so then it might seem like um, I don't... I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I'm loved. All right. So let's say I am loved. What would I be doing right now? Hmm. Let's say I am smart. What would I be doing right now? Let's say I start with this kind of like question and that question intellectually stimulates some kind of inquiry with you. Like, Mm -hmm. Oh, I could do that. And I could do, I could do that. I mean, I guess I could. And then if you find yourself like, I mean, it, it literally is like, even if you're like resisting that, like, Oh, it's too much. All right. Well, let's say it's too much, but I, but I'm at least willing or open to the suggestion that I could take the first action. What would be the first one I would take? And it is sometimes those baby steps, and sometimes you just explode into it. You're like, oh my gosh, this has opened me up to something. Because I think mostly what we do is try and fix our thoughts, and that's not going to change your life. <laughs> well, you can sit there going, "I'm good enough. I'm a tiger." I'm awesome. I can, you know, unleash the beast. Oh no, it's not. I'm feeling terrible. Okay, I'll get back to. I'm good enough. I'm a tiger. I'm awesome. I can do yeah. it. Whereas you just miss the train again. Yeah. You know, yeah. How because you've been sitting there pumping the yourself train. up, and all of <laughs> right. a sudden, like, oh yeah, I can do this. I can, I can work out today. I'm going to get this done. I'm going to get this done, and all of a sudden, it, the gym's closed. Right. Rather than just, I feel terrible, but I am going to the gym. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? And once you're in the gym, it'll take care of itself, and then, and then it's little increments. It's like. Oh, I feel like I've had enough, but I should do another 10 minutes. Oh, let me give it another minute. Mm-hmm. Right, well, give me another minute still. And you will find that you're able to push that negativity into places. Mm-hmm. And then and then you'll surprise yourself. Right. Because when it's done, you'll say to yourself, wow, I did it. That mm-hmm. was really good. You can actually get more and more facile at not defeating the inner dialogue, but living with it mm-hmm. and accomplishing great things with it by your side, but not your navigator. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. So you, so you just let that inner dialogue set aside and you, I mean, here's, here's the problem that I have. Yeah. How do you convince yourself to do the action when the inner dialogue is loud? I mean, that, yeah. that to me, you know, I, I still don't understand how to defeat that. Like I understand yeah. we have to make the unconscious conscious and yeah. fight back against that unconscious mind. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but, not quite. Look, every, anything you fight, lives on by virtue of the fight that's that's, that's a that's a very not to put you in a pigeonhole but it's a very scottish thing to say <laughs> go ahead <laughs> right so it so it exists by virtue of the fight so i i tend to acknowledge it so i'm like okay that's there uh-huh. now something magical happens when you can do that suddenly that thing that moments before you were in it mm-hmm. but I'm, within a moment of saying okay well that's there you're now observing it. Hmm. 
So it's no longer you. It's kind of with you, but it's not you. So by observing, you're taking it out of the subconscious and therefore taking away its power? Absolutely. I mean, look, look, if you if you actually knew what drove your relationships with people, like what it's really about, right? I mean, I have a fun, my, how I fundamentally relate to people, and I have no choice in this matter. It's just there. I'll right. wake up and it's there, right? Right. And what's there for me when it comes to people is they don't care. Yeah. And that's there for me. I don't care who you are. I'm going to meet you. And that little filter is going to be going and I'm doing my best and there it is. And you don't care. And da, 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 da. and I drive down the street and this guy's coming across. See, another guy, she she doesn't care either. The way he cut me off, I don't care. I'm going to line at the supermarket. See the way they moved up? They don't care. I'm not observing all the other people that are doing great, great things. That's not on my mind. Right. I'm looking for evidence for that people fundamentally don't care. Why? Because that allows me to interact with people from a certain perspective. So your subconscious so, conflict is influencing your conscious perception. All the time. Constantly doing it. And the, and the more you can kind of simplify it for yourself, like, oh, yeah, it's like, it's like, I'm, 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 it's like, like I've said, it's like a tree. And if you can identify the tree, you'll probably stop walking into it. You'll, you'll, you'll learn to live with it. Mm-hmm. And you'll learn to empower yourself mm-hmm. in the face of it. You know, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm really like you know, very matter of fact about this. If I'd never done this kind of work on myself and made these kind of discoveries for myself, right? you know, I, I would never have accomplished what I've done in my life. And, you know, and I'm pretty proud of what I've accomplished. And there's a lot of As work well, you to should do. Be. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and, and there's a lot of work to do, but I'm, but that constraint that I'd lived for four decades with is gone. Like it's, I don't, it's not like the noise isn't there. It's no longer how I justify being alive. I, I I use a whole different kind of compass. I'm way more guided by the future and what's possible than what's been. I mean, that's that is just so unbelievably profound, and 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 also like, I, I mean, I, I, this is obviously this is my first time going through this, but I, but it just feels, um, it feels very empowering, but also very frightening at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it should though. I th- there's there's something any any of the great transformations of my life were unbelievably confronting, um, because I, I'm I'm confronting what I've done, mm-hmm. right to this point. I'm confronting like, and some sometimes I might have thought. I mean, my my view is that people live lives of intention, so I'm doing this with this intention. But I'm not really looking at what I'm doing to get it done, mm-hmm. and that's when it gets ugly and messy and Wait, snotty. You you say people live lives of intention, but 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 most of us are living this life of 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 homeostasis, of comfort, of unintentionally changing things. Are you just saying that's our intention is to live with that conflict? Well, well, I'll give you an example. So, so, you know, you might you might say something to somebody. Uh, you might say, you know, well, I don't appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And you might say, it, it could be like, for instance, I'm a dad, so I'll use an example of my kid. I might say, all right, I don't, I don't think you should do that, so stop doing that. Mm-hmm. And that might, that might, he might sit there, one of my sons might sit there and get wounded or offended by me, right? And I might raise my voice, might stop doing that, okay? He mm-hmm. might say some really forceful way, yep. which I'm not averse to doing right. from time to time. Anyway, so my intention, though, is I love him, 
and I want him to live a great life and I want him to learn great things and I want him to interact with life in a way that works. Okay, that's my intention. All he heard was stop doing that. Uh huh. Wow. He didn't get my intention. Right. I, so all he gets is what I did. Right. Now, when you start to do some work on yourself and you dig into, you'll see what you think you're up to. It's not getting communicated. Right. So there's often carnage that you never saw and you never even realized it, but it's everywhere. Hurt and some you of it created is, in other people because your intention was communicated poorly. Right, right. So that's what I said. And often, though, when, 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 you know, well, there's a big thing going around right now, and the people are making a big deal of it politically about being responsible for how you speak, okay? Which I 100% agree with, okay? You need to be responsible for what you say and how your words land, mm -hmm. okay? But nobody wants to talk about being responsible for how you listen, mm. right? Like, like, what am I doing with what you just said? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and Sartre would have called you, would have said that you make meaning out of what people say and you make that real. So, so, you know, I think the more you do confront yourself and the more you dig into it, I think the really juicy stuff to kind of circle all back is, I think the really ju juicy stuff is the stuff that is a little bit more painful. You know, my, my approach um, and what I do is definitely I'm um, like I provoke and confront um, because I've because because often in all my experience and I've tried the other method right like just give them a cuddle and tell them it's all going to be fine. It never penetrates the way that confronting does. It never gets to the heart. And so I've had to really constitute myself as somebody who's willing to say the thing that you don't want to hear. And um. Luckily for me, there's been enough people that appreciate that that's what it is, that that I love people enough that I'm willing to do with my own discomfort to deliver something they might not want to hear. Mm -hmm. um, but they get there's a compassion there. It's not just I'm a bully or something or but but I but I'm, you know, I'm very much like a old school, I guess, existentialist, you know, <laughs> in a. You know, in the mold of people like Heidegger and Sartre and Gadamer and Husserl and, you know, like those guys. And um, and, and it pr provides a really interesting perspective in what it is to be alive. Like, what is it to be alive? What is it to be me? What What's this about? What it, mm. You know, what, where, what's every breath that I take, like every every conversation that i have every time i open my eyes in the morning i awake into a world not the world a world a world of my own creation but i had no real cognizance of creating this thing that i'm in mm -hmm. but somehow i put it together and and that's what i that's what i want people to start to peel away at like what is it i've put together how did i and end up in this place Right. And that's and often that's the uncomfortable part, because, like I said, you will see some sometimes really painful truths for yourself. Very painful at times. I'm a big fan of uh, mindfulness, meditation and journaling. Yeah, I feel like if you can structure those times with this in mind, this that those two activities could be a very good way of bringing out and seeing what that internal conflict dialogue is. Yeah, I mean, the way I look at it with people is, look, do whatever works for you, okay? 
I'm not, you know, I, I, I don't, whatever somebody does, if that empowers you and makes a difference, well, then I just, you should... just want to get to the place where like, because yeah. I, I, I want to get to the place where I find that truth that you're talking about of how did I get yeah. where I am with the parts of my yeah. life that I'm unhappy with. Yeah. How, what unconscious decisions got me here? What unconscious right. conflict put, uh, made me get to here to try yeah. to be comfortable? Um, and I don't know. I Sometimes I think that those answers are a little harder for people to vet out than just yeah. sit quietly for a second. Yeah. Well, you know, that's kind of why I wrote the book. I mean, you, you'll, <laughs> find, <laughs> you'll find it. I mean, I'm, I'm really like, I, I really want you to get like, I, I lay out in very part of the problem I have with the personal growth industry in many ways is that people intellectualize it to such a degree that a lot of it became useless. And, um, and I, and I want to make, I want to make a difference for somebody who's never done self-help work or self-growth work. Right. I, I want to make a difference for somebody who just lost their job in Baltimore or somebody who just found out she's pregnant. She lives yeah. in Wisconsin. Her parents are going to go nuts when they find out. Like, I want to use some of those more profound, you know, views of philosophy and, and, and present it in such a way that somebody goes, oh, my gosh. Yeah, that that's what the thing is. So th- the second book is definitely like um, my take on what it is to, to destroy your own life. But but. I want people to really understand, you know, destroying your own life doesn't mean like, you know, I don't know, like you live under a bridge somewhere or something. Mm-hmm. Destroying your own life is like when you're, when, and, and I, I assert most of your listeners have this as an experience. When you look at certain areas of life, you know, there's more there uh-huh. and you can't get to it. Yes. And yes. you know, it's there. It's like, there's more for me here. Like there's more of me. There's more of me to. I'm not, more me to get I'm, not, out. I'm not being you know. fully used by the world. I'm not doing the thing. I'm not working in the way that I need to be working in this particular area. Like there, I just feel like a, I feel like a Lamborghini that's left in the garage in this area. That kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And, and look, as I said a little earlier, we've all had this as an experience. Uh, that's not happening in a vacuum. That's, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. That's that's not just like, you know, oh, you know, I don't have the willpower, right? Which I absolutely trash the whole notion of willpower in the book. Interesting. Yeah, and I'll trash the notion of confidence in a heartbeat. It's nonsense. Not, confidence is voodoo. Complete voodoo. You're working on all the wrong things if you're working on your confidence. Hmm. If you, you're going to have to get it done in the absence of confidence, because you'll notice when you get it done in the absence of confidence, confidence more. arises. Right. No, right. it arises. It comes up. Confidence is little more than the experience of approaching something that you're familiar with. Yeah. Well, that like, to, is your, to your point earlier, to your, to your point earlier, like you said, the the most profound improvements in your life have been when you didn't think you could do it, but you did it anyway. Right. right? That would right. be that would be behavior in the absence of confidence. Right, like I shocked myself with mm-hmm. with what this this bag of bones can do. <laughs> right, and really, like it's it's you know, I, you're a human being, and what people for really lose sight of is the the being part of that. Like, what is it to be? Mm. And you're a limitless spectrum of being that you've turned into about five habitual characteristics. <laughs> why, why five is it really five or is that just random yeah no that's a bit of, that's a bit of, i mean if you if you if i sat with you 
I mean, I've already watched yours out, but anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll have to get into it off the air, but keep going. (laughs) But one of them is definitely being positive, right? And which, again, it's fine, but but there's a limit to that. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a limit. Yeah, and you've 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 experienced this limit, by the way. Like, there's there's only so far you can go with it, and then you have to kind of back out Mm -hmm. when your positivity's not working for you. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's not getting done what you need to get done, so you'll change the game rather than cause a breakthrough for yourself. Right, <laughs> right. right. And when I say cause a breakthrough for yourself, I mean a, cause a breakthrough in your ability to be something greater than who you've become. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the game that I would invite people to start to get into. It's like to start to explore what's beyond the constraint of who you've become. Like, what would it be like for some of your listeners to take a stand for themselves? And what would it be like for some of your listeners to, you know, step out there boldly and ask that person out or write that book or apply for that job? Mm-hmm. What would it be like for some of your listeners to, rather than their usual tough, hardworking self, to turn around to somebody and say, I'm sorry, or I love you? And it would be a total revolution of character. It would be like, like people would be looking at you like you've turned into somebody else, right? And and I and I love the notion of that. I love the notion of being someone you've never been before, because that's where that's where the great stuff's happening. It's happening beyond the constraints of who you've become. It's yeah. happening in the, out there in the periphery, the stuff you can't quite see. It's not certain. It's uncertain. You know, like. Um, if you if you if you for instance pay off all your credit cards what you're getting confronted by is who you'll now need to be to live like this mm-hmm. that's what you're getting confronted by why you then go run up the credit cards is so that you can go back to being who you've been up to this point because mm-hmm. that's where I'm comfortable right so it's all and it's all like this we live this life of pursuing being somebody else and then resorting to who we've always been mm-hmm so I would argue that there are, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm scared to do this, but yeah. I'm going to do it anyway. Cause I think it's, yeah. I think it's the better way. So yeah. we're talking about my positivity. Now I would argue right. that being positive has extrinsic ben- benefits beyond yeah. just uh, as a yeah. coping mechanism for myself. Yeah. Um, I get and, and, and we've had people on, on this podcast talk about the power yeah. of the, uh, the importance of positivity in yeah. general, not the power of positive yeah. thinking, but just yeah. gratefulness and positivity, what that does. Right. But, Let's take a look at like some of my limits. So uh, let's say I run into a limit where things just aren't going my way, and no matter how nice yeah. I am or how yeah. how ingratiating I am with the person that I'm dealing yeah. with, I'm still not getting to that end game. Whether it's a, a yeah. job that I want or whatever. Yeah. Um, well, what will you do? Yeah. What? How do I? So I don't want to lose the benefits of positivity, but I want to know like why, why am I why am I doing that? Why am I going back to positivity? And why do I back away? <laughs> This is awesome. So, so clearly, I'm talking to somebody who's positive right now, right? Right. Because, yeah. <laughs> because you want to hang on to this positive thing for as long as you possibly can. <laughs> well, we need a laugh. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. So, I, I want you to get how 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 much it colors your experience of yourself now, right? As an adult man, uh, there's nothing wrong with being positive. Right. Right. There's nothing wrong with being positive. It's fine with being positive. It just doesn't answer every question you'll ever get hit with. Right. Right. It's like being hardworking. Anybody who has that, like, as a trait of theirs, like they're hardworking, mm-hmm. 
they have produced phenomenal results with being hardworking. Yeah. And what they tend to do is justify, explain, and pretend their way around the kind of darkness of it. And the ways that hardworking doesn't... Works against them. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now, if you... And, and I'm telling you, like, I'm, I really... I'm, I want you to get... Like, I'm giving you this because i got a big commitment to you getting something for yourself, okay? And that's it. Like, that's no... I'm not... <laughs> I'm laughing because I've coached so many people who are positive, right? <laughs> <laughs> or who have positivity as kind of a default way of being, okay? Mm -hmm. And that's what Heidegger would have called it. Heidegger would have called it like a default way that you be, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the default ways that you be is you be positive. So on one hand, you might be faced with some tragedy in your life and you'll find a way you'll find a glint of light to guide you through it okay right. or i'll Which, choose to or i'll choose to avoid the pain of it i mean i'll find ways right. to avoid the pain to stay positive right right and then so then there's all the things you've ignored because you can't be with it mm -hmm. right to your real detriment like it's cost you and i'm not going to make it too personal but if, as, as i'm saying this i want you to imagine them in your mind right like the things you stepped over the things that you should have handled and you didn't Mm -hmm. And the things that you pretended were okay and all along they weren't and you had to keep telling yourself they were okay and eventually it played out like they weren't okay. Like you found out or it came to be, you know, true. And there's a kind of, there's a kind of like, yeah, I did that. And, and what ran me in those moments was positivity. Like I was being run by my positivity in mm -hmm. those moments. So there's nothing wrong with being positive. The question is, how can I learn to switch it off? Right? How, like, what, what if, what if I had more in my toolbox? Mm -hmm. What if there was more there, like way more, like a greater expression of who I've become? And what if I used my life, the rest of my life to explore that for myself? Like, um, it wasn't until I was like 41 I had this really powerful conversation with my mom, and I said, I love you, you know, and it was really moving for both of us, mm -hmm. and it was moving because I'd spent 30 years of my life blaming her for how it turned out, mm -hmm. and she, when I said, I love you, she said, I love you too, baby, and I realized that it was the first time I told my mom that I'd loved her since I was about 10. And at some point in my life, I'd stopped doing that. And I'd become this robust, hardworking little Scotsman. Mm -hmm. And I never set out on this journey to be that guy. I, I just became that guy. And it wasn't until I started to dig into this stuff and I started to see some of the key points of the road where I'd taken that turn and that turn and that turn. You don't realize you're taking them. Mm -hmm. But that's, that's where I really started to get, like, how I... People call it like my view of life, and I don't think it really captures it, what it's like for each of us to be ourselves. It's more like my 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 kind of experience of life or what I call my point of experience. There's a place in life where I'm located. And and again, and, and stop doing that stuff. Um, <laughs> you'll actually see how that comes together and I love being hardworking. Like, I really love it. I love the aspects of it. But I've become so much better now at expressing how I feel um, to the people that I love. 
and so much better at going on vacation, which used to be impossible. Like, I'm just so much better at it now. You know, I'm just, I get to explore what it's like to be at ease. Right. And I've never, it's been, a, that was a challenge for me to explore. So it's not like I'm out to be at ease. I'm out to explore what is it to be at ease. Like, mm. I'm in the inquiry of that. I'm like, oh, oh, it's kind of like this. Oh, and then I notice the unease and I notice where I want to work hard. I, I can feel myself getting drawn towards that. So it's it's like living with this machinery that, that's built up over time. And, and realizing, you know, your ability to be something beyond how you've turned out is limitless. And it's limitless. Like I, like I say, you are a miracle of being. Like I, you're a miraculous expression of what it is to be alive. But you, you only get access to that when you see how much you've boiled it down. Mm. And how complex life could be and how much more potential there is unbelievable by the way and I, and I really i can't say this enough like if anybody's listening to this you're a, you're a you're a you're of limitless potential and you're in a dialogue with yourself about that potential and that's the life you live hmm. well i think that's um i think this is as good a place to end as any hmm. um that was what was phenomenal. Uh, I just want to say real fast, thank you to Gary John Bishop. The book is, well, there's there's Unf Yourself, which is the original book. Link to that in the show notes, as well as Stop Doing That Stuff, uh, End Sabotage, and Demand Your Life Back. Um, you guys, there's going to be links to both of those books in the show notes. And just once again, want to thank Gary John Bishop for your time. If thank you for to follow up. If people want to follow up with you, uh, where can they follow up with you? On my website, um, GaryJohnBishop.com. They can catch up with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at GaryJohnBishop. I'm pretty active on social media. One thing that I should say, you know, I'm really committed that people get access to what I do for free. So I write blog pieces. I put a lot of little quotes and memes and stuff out there to support mm -hmm. people in their lives. Um, you know, I'm not trying to get you to buy into anything or pay me money every month or anything like that. I'm not interested in that. I'm interested in making a difference for people. And, um, you know, it seems to be resonating with people. So if money's a concern, this shouldn't be a concern of yours. You've got to jump in and get what you can get. And I have spent some time on the website. The website is phenomenal. Links to the social media and to the website in the show notes. This has been one of the more profound experiences I've ever had doing the show. And I just want to say one more time, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. That's it for our show today. I don't know if you noticed. But I was so into the conversation, I forgot to ask him my final question. What is one thing you can start doing today to make your, whole, your life a whole lot better? I forgot to ask him. That is how in to him I was. I hope that you enjoyed this. If you did like it, please rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. And I've noticed that a few of you have posted some reviews. Makes a big difference in our rankings. Really feels good to see him keep them coming also you can reach out to us on social media easy for me to say facebook.com slash john tash is where we spend most of our time do a lot of facebook lives there we have all kinds of uh, of updates and videos that we post there so it's a great place to get in touch with us also john is on twitter at john tash on instagram at john tash underscore ifyl i am gib gerard you can find me at facebook.com slash gib gerard as well as on twitter and instagram at Gib Gerard. Links to all of those profiles in the show notes. And if you have any recommendations for guests or things you want us to cover, hit us up on, uh, hit me up in particular on any of those places, and I will respond and try to get the people that you think we should have on our show. But most importantly, thank you guys so much for listening.